Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Wherever you are, wherever you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. First hour of this show is going to be a special show. Uh, it's going to be an extra podcast. Probably going to put that up on SoundCloud a little bit later. So it'll be on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about in sports, right? NBA playoffs, NFL draft. Baseball starting up, baseball starting up regular season. But what I really want to talk about and what seemed to captivate the sports world this weekend, Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Now you see, in sports and in society, there are very few people that I call needle movers. And what do I mean by a needle mover? Uh, people that, when they talk, you listen. When you see them, you stop. It's a lot of power, a lot of prestige. But it's something most people in this world don't hold and something most people in this world will never hold. Tiger has it. Other athletes that have had it. Michael Jordan. He's still out selling LeBron James and sneaker deals. Shoes, right? Ten to one. LeBron James has that power. The NBA playoffs is missing LeBron James right now. Derek Jeter, New York Yankee, shortstop, had that type of power. Names like Wayne Gretzky, Usain Bolt. There are certain names that when I say them, you know them. And then what makes Tiger Woods all the more powerful, all the more different from the all these names I just said? His story. Top of the world. Prodigy in a sport that's dominated by Caucasians as an African-American. Then tragedy strikes. Cheating on his wife with multiple different women and fidelity, right? There was allegations of him using steroid use. That's why he was so big as a golfer. Also, you know, sex addiction, sex addiction. Uh, drug use. 
like in my Florida, Florida a couple of years ago, a lot of people thought his career was done where he's, seems he's driving around, uh, obviously inebriated and doesn't know where he is. The injuries, the back injuries come full circle. And then he wins. 2019. Tiger Woods' first major was in 1997. I don't know what most of you were doing in 1997, but I was probably someplace up in heaven or wherever the babies go before they actually come out. Probably not in my mother's womb yet since I was born in July 12, 1998, 1997, about a year in advance. Probably wasn't a thought. No, actually, I probably was a thought. I was probably a twinkle. Probably a twinkle in my mom and dad's eyes. But now we fast forward. 2019, a span of years. Two plus decades. 20. I'm soon to be 21. And Tiger has won another Masters. The last time Tiger won a major championship. 2009, I believe. 2009. Excuse me, no. 2008. June 16th, 2008. He won the PGA. You know what I was doing? In fourth grade, I was in elementary school. What makes Tiger so interesting is the fact that we're talking about it. Most of you out there don't watch golf. Most of you out there don't care about golf. You see, Tom Brady, one of my favorite athletes of all time, he's transcended on the field, but not necessarily off the field. He doesn't move the needle. The NFL moves the needle. Very few people, very few men, very few women can single-handedly say they move the needle because they're unique, they're dominant, they're different. And they win. Say MJ's in that category, a Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods, a Serena Williams, a Roger, a Roger Federer. There's not a lot of names on these lists. There's not a lot of seats at that table. Tiger made African-Americans want to watch golf. He made people who had no interest in golf want to watch golf. He made a sport that was considered, you know, the old boys club, boring, old, archaic, not fun, not cool. He made it cool. Like I said, a lot of stuff is going on in sports right now. Baseball. Regular season, the regular season starting up, right? Football, getting ready for the NFL draft. Basketball, NBA playoffs, NHL, NHL playoffs. But you know what we're talking about? We're talking about the Masters. We're talking about a golf tournament. And we're only talking about this golf tournament because of one man and because that one man won. If Rory McIlroy wins the Masters, we're not talking about this. If Rory McIlroy wins the tournament going away, we're not talking about this. We're talking about this because Tiger Woods won the master. He won his fifth Masters, which put him which puts him one gold jacket ahead of Arnold Palmer and one more to go before he catches Jack. That's why we're talking about this. We're not talking about this because we like golf. We're not talking about this because we care about the other players. We're talking about this because it's Tiger freaking Woods. That's how you know you have prestige. You have persona. You are a moodle. That's how you know you have prestige. You have persona. You're a needle mover. Like I said, when you talk, people listen. 
When you do something, people watch. When you move, people move. There's only one master, folks. And everybody's talking about, can he catch Jack in all-time majors? Can he catch Jack in all-time majors? That's the discussion. Swept up the headlines is now the lead in every story. And let's remember, let's say this again, not because of the sport, not because of the other players, but because it's him. Because the name at the top of the leaderboard was Tiger Woods. Because the man putting on that green jacket the fifth time was Tiger Woods. That's power. That's power. That's the ability to move the needle. And it's impressive. It's impressive. Now, here's what I want to talk about. And by the way, uh, five, about five, uh, six minutes right uh, after the break, we're going to have Connell Crayback on the show. See, Connell was at the Masters uh, for the preliminary uh, rounds. So we're going to talk to Connell a lot about that. Connell's a very interesting guy. Connell's going to have a lot of very interesting stuff to say. Can't wait for that interview. But I do want to talk about this, right? NBA playoffs. Kyle Lowry. Uh... You know, I don't like to use the term the term bum because it's kind of demeaning and rude and it's not very nice. But you want to know what? The term bum kind of has to fit Kyle Lowry here. You see, the Toronto Raptors are now losing their series against the Brook, uh, excuse me, against the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic are winning the series 1-0. Just one game, doesn't matter. But Kyle Lowry's play in the game is what is the most disturbing and uh, mind-boggling and head-scratching. You see, Kyle Lowry, let me get this up for you, folks who's supposed to be an all-star. He's supposed to be a veteran. Here's what Kyle Lowry did. Kyle Lowry went 0 for 7 in 34 minutes and didn't score a point. Think about that. Let me repeat that. 0 for 7 from the field. Played 34 minutes, didn't score a point. Now, when we talk about choke jobs... I, I've usually talked about LeBron James 2011, the Dallas Mavericks, Miami Heat, NBA Finals, where LeBron James ran for the ball in the fourth quarter. He allowed guys like J.J. Barea and Jason Terry to check him in the post and was really disengaged. But you want to know what? I, and, you know, I've also talked about James Harden because James Harden had a choke job against the San Antonio Spurs a couple of years ago when the Spurs beat him in game six without Kawhi Leonard on the floor. But Kyle Lowry, this is starting to get a little bit concerning. And he's not the caliber of a player like James Harden or LeBron James, but I, I can't sleep well at night and rest well and, you know, be in good conscience knowing that I've criticized LeBron James for Dallas 2011, but, but, but Kyle Lowry put that to shame. And if the uh, the Raptors the Raptors lose the series, because Kawhi Leonard played very well. Kawhi Leonard played well enough for this team to win. It was Kyle Lowry. He has to give him something. He's a starting point guard. He has to give them something. And he lost the point guard matchup to one DJ Augustine. Now, guess how many playoff minutes DJ Augustine has played? None. DJ Augustine, 9 for 13, 25 points. Dominated the matchup. That's not supposed to happen. And the longest time we said, what was the problem with the Raptors? Is it DeMar DeRozan? Well, guess what? It must not be DeMar DeRozan. The Spurs are up 1-0 right now in the Denver Nuggets. And DeMar DeRozan has played well with Greg Popovich. It seems like Greg Popovich has unlocked the talent and the abilities of DeMar DeRozan. Is it the fact that the Raptors just shrink at the sight of LeBron James? Well, it can't be because LeBron James is out the East. He's in the West, and LeBron ain't even in the playoffs. Or maybe just because Kyle Lowry's the problem. He's the leader. He's the point guard. He's supposed to be the guy that set the tone, and he can't do that. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to apologize because I can't keep talking about LeBron James in 2011, even though I probably will, but I can't. 
You know? If Kyle Lowry keeps playing like a bump, I hope Kyle Lowry gets it together. I really hope so. Now, cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Connell Cray back on the show. Cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. And he's from Buffalo, New York. Women want him. Men want to be him. Connell Cravick. How you doing, Connell? I'm doing fantastic, Daryl. So, Connell, I've been waiting to have you on the show for a long time. Actually, I already did have you on the show uh, when you, me, Amy, and Randon did that little uh, relationship Valentine's Day. I don't even know what we would call that, but that was a little, you know, extra experience. My mom didn't like that too much. But my mom loves you, Connell. So when she listens to this, uh, you got anything to say to Mama Lane real quick? I want to give a shout out to Mama Lane, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, coming back to Buffalo. Okay, Kyle. Now, Kyle, you're a busy man. You like to go on trips, and a trip you went on, the Masters. Talk about that experience. Oh, yes, I did, Daryl. So uh, about a week and a half ago, my mom told me that we have tickets to the Masters, and she told me that she couldn't go. Now, I had the tickets since November. I knew we had the tickets, but my mom told me a week and a half ago that she couldn't go with me, and that I had to find two people to go to the Masters. And so I found two people to go to the Masters with me. And I went down to Augusta, and I had the best time I've ever had. Now, you forgot to invite that one friend of yours, you know, that likes sports. And who would that be, Daryl? Huh? He's a, he's a little bit darker. Oh, would that be Daryl? Yeah! Connell, you didn't invite me, man? Was I, was I not on the, the guest list? The VIP section, Connell? Charlie, you were not on the VIP section. Connell, I'm a little upset, Connell. You can be on the VIP section as, next time. So next you'll time. take me to the Masters with you next time? Yeah, if you buy your ticket. <laughs> if I buy my ticket. Okay, so I love your mom, Dr. Fitzpatrick. Right, shout out to Dr. Fitzpatrick. I love you. Uh, so so what was your reaction when she's like, I got these Masters tickets, but I'm not going, so you can go, Connor. What was your reaction when you just like... Well, like I said, we had the tickets since November, but when she said she wasn't going, it's was kind of like, oh, shit, I got to find two people to go down to Augusta with me. Well, what was your favorite experience at the Masters? say walking through the front gate. I mean, you walk through and you have no cell phone. They take it away from you. and It's just a great experience. And the course is much, much nicer in person than it looks on TV. Why do they take the phone from you? Just to keep the experience real. I mean, that's how it always was. And they don't really want to change it. And I don't blame them for that because it's better that way. You can really enjoy it more. Now, Conley, you had a friend that snuck the phone through. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't say that was a good thing. But we did get some good photos. Oh, you did? Yeah, but I didn't sneak my phone through, so I left my phone at the airport. Yeah, no, Connell's a good boy. Connell will never yeah. do something about that. I would never friend. do that. But you're right. so, so did they not check him? How did he get the phone through? No, what happened was there was a rain delay in the morning, so all these people were rushing back in around 12, 30, 30 p.m., and they just stopped checking at that point and just let everyone in. So there were probably multiple people that got through without their phones. Well, oh, there their were phones. multiple people there with yeah that got through with their phones. You probably wish you got to come in with your phone, right? No, I actually don't. I prefer not to have a phone there. Now, when you talk about the course and how nice the course was, just talk because you're a golf guy, so just talk about how nice was the course in, in terms of other courses you've been to. I've played a lot of courses. I've been to, of courses, I've been to uh, Pebble Beach. I've been to Royal Port Rush. 
I've been to Glen Abbey in Toronto, and honestly, the Augusta's the nicest course I've ever been to in my entire life. It, I mean, you can't even compare. Even Pebble Beach, you can't even compare. I mean, Augusta's just on a completely different level. Now, during now, I mean, you were there for just the preliminaries, right? Yeah, yeah, just the practice round. So, so, so just how was that, like, in terms of, well, why, why didn't you stay for, like, the whole thing, the whole event? Yeah, so uh, when you win the tickets, uh, it's, you can only win once per household, and you only win about, it's rare to win more than one day. And so we only won one day, and you can't pick what day you win. You, we just got the Tuesday practice round, and that was it. So, if you so got, we went down. So just imagine if you were there on Sunday. I'll be there on Sunday next year. Oh! And, and still you didn't let your friend Daryl know about that? Well, I just let you know now. Well, well, come on. I wish you would have let me know ahead of time so I could have prepared. Daryl, it's a year away. Well, well, well come on. You, you know, you see that picture. You probably saw. You're really into social media. Michael Phelps, he like patted Tiger Woods on the back. Whatever, he was there. Michael Phelps was there, like on the little course line. You know, maybe maybe I'll be there on the course line. Wouldn't that be cool? You and me on the course line? That'd be awesome. We probably won't get those good of seats, will we? Uh, we probably won't be on the course line, Daryl. How, how, how much money do you get? How much money does it cost to get be there? Well, if you win the tickets, there's $75 a ticket. If you don't win the tickets and you want to go on Sunday, they're 15000 in tickets. Oh, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Kyle, how much money did you spend while you were there? Not a lot. Oh, a um, lot, a lot, a decent amount. An, an all right amount. An all right amount? Yeah. Crazy. It, it must be crazy expensive. I, I couldn't even imagine. So, Kyle, Tiger Woods won, won the Masters. How shocked and or surprised were you? I wasn't surprised because on Tuesday we saw him, you know, play his practice run, hit his shots on the range, and he was hitting it better than everyone there. He was sticking to a few inches every single time, and Tiger knows that course better than anyone else in that field. You know, maybe Phil knows it a little bit too, but Tiger knows it the best out of everyone, and he really showed his course knowledge, especially with the slower greens. How, and we talk slower greens, what do you mean by that? Like, explain that for people who don't know. Yes, there's a thing in golf, it's, uh, it's called a stint meter. It goes from uh, 0 to 12, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but... Uh, the master screens always joke that they're it's over and they roll about a sixteen. Uh, it's like putting on almost concrete. Now uh, they they rolled about I, th I believe it was like a foot and a half to two feet shorter because of all the rain they got the couple weeks before. So Tiger was the only one who could really adapt to it. And yes, he missed you know a couple putts you know between ten and twenty feet, but from twenty feet and out he was the number one guy on the field, and I think that really showed in his score. So when you're but so before you went, before you went to the Masters, did you think Tiger would look this good? Like, like what were your expectations for how you think you thought it was going to play out? You know, I haven't been really keeping up with the season and the players and stuff, but uh, I knew Tiger was out there. Tiger's always in contention for the Masters, and he plays pretty much well every time he goes there. Minus, you know, a few bad years when he's gone through some back problems. And I thought Rory had a chance, but Rory kind of blew up. And then I thought Spieth maybe had a chance, and Spieth blew up. And DJ made a run there in the end, and it looked like DJ was going to catch him, but Tiger just... He fought through it mentally and just kept grinding it out, and it really paid off. Is those bad problems a bit of a Freudian slip there, Kyle? Never mind. I'll tell you. I'll tell Kyle off the air what I meant by that. Uh, but when you so when you saw when you you mentioned you you saw while he was hitting the ball during the prelims, when you saw that, were you like, okay, this is Tiger's the one? Was that was that your thinking like going away? Yeah, definitely for sure. And you know the big crowds that always go around Tiger. Like I just I really wanted him to win. You know just to show that he could, he's still there. I mean, he came close in the PGA Championship with Brooks Kepka, and I just, I really did think he was going to pull it off. Now, when Tiger won, right, it was like this whole thing, like, with the sports world, even outside the sports world, everything just stopped. Everything went still. And it made me think, like, you know, Tiger Woods is one of those few people that, you know, move the needle, that people want to see, that people care about. Why do you think that is? 
Well, he's the first African-American, if I uh, believe. I know Vijay Singh was from Fiji, but he was an African-American. But Tiger was the first African-American to really take the world by storm, I think. Uh, yeah. Do you think that... Because a lot of the... I never thought Tiger would actually win another major again. I was... I thought after, you know, his uh, marital, let's put it that way, marital spout, uh, he's done what he should have, in the words of my roommate, Ken Emsh. Uh, you know, I, I thought it would be a lot for him to recover. You know, there were drug issues, you know, back problems, knee problems. Like, his body was kind of breaking down. He's older, like 43 years old. Yeah, he was in a couple car crashes. Yeah, too. like, just, uh, it, it makes it hard to see him being, even though sport, you know, like golf, it makes it seem hard for me to see him being able to come back. What do you attribute that comeback to? Specifically, I think just mentality and, you know, he had two kids and I think that really helped him out too, just to grow as a person. Okay, now, and here's my thing with Tiger, because everybody also was talking about how great of a redemption story this is. This is an underdog story. I'm so happy for Tiger. And I, and I thought, I was like, okay, right, it's cool that this happened, right? But let's remember, every all the bad things that happened in Tiger Woods' life, they were self-inflicted. So, so to me, for me, it's hard for me to really get behind it and be like, this is this great story when it's like... You know, you kind of put yourself in the hole. Now you dug yourself out of the hole, but you still jumped in the hole. No, no, I, I still think it is a redemption story because you know, I mean, regardless of if it was self-inflicted, it still happened, right? So, you know, he, it just shows how discipline and great determination can really pull yourself out of anything. And Tiger really showed it in this case, and I think that's why it's a redemption story. And now, what really impressed me too about Tiger, and I want your opinion on this, even though I don't really think it was necessarily the greatest, you know, comeback story. What it was was just how it happened and how impressive that is because when you mention everything he's gone through, like if most people go through that in their life, whether it was self-inflicted or not, you know, they're probably done. They're like, let alone compete at a sport like golf at the highest level, right? And be the best in the world. I'm that's not, course. yeah, th that's, that's not easy to do. That takes a lot of physical toughness. That takes a lot of mental toughness. That takes a lot of resolve that I don't think people truly understand. I'll just talk about like that aspect of it. Yeah, no, I really don't think they understand. And just going back to the whole Augusta thing, uh, like, I mean, the course, just to give you guys some perspective, because on TV it looks almost flat, but that is the hilliest course that I've ever been to my entire life. In fact, my buddy checked the steps, and we climbed 47 stories, and we were on the course for two hours. That's a lot. And we walked 12,000 steps, which I believe was like five miles. So there's the hilliest course with the fastest greens and the toughest lies, and to come back and to win there is really something special. So it's a physically demanding course. Physically demanding, lots of tough lies, lots of trees to block you out. I mean, it's really the most difficult golf course I've ever seen in my entire life. Tiger, and you know what also makes it interesting too is like, when all this, everything started going bad, like, he could have just quit. Like, you know, he's rich, famous, wealthy, right? You know, he's he already won majors. He's already, you know, probably had the greatest peak of any golf forever, maybe. But... He didn't have to come back. Why do you think he decided to come back and still commit to compete at that high of a level? I think Tiger wants to be the best, and currently Jack Nicklaus is still the best. Uh, Jack Nicklaus has six green jackets, and Tiger now has five. So I think Tiger wants to get out there with six or maybe even seven. And If you ask me in the next couple of years, I'd give him maybe five more years of playing. I, I think that he could possibly achieve that, especially because golf's kind of going through this transition phase with new rules, you know. New songs and Tiger really was part of that part of that change. Now, you talk about Tiger being able to catch uh, Nicholas, right? And you, you are you think Nicholas is that like we're bringing Tiger right now, all time golfers? I'd say he's third of all time. Who do you have ahead of him? I'd have uh, Arnold Palmer ahead of him too. 
What does he have to do to exceed both of those two? Well, if he, I think if he wins another Masters, then that's it. I think he's exceeded both of them. Yes, he's you know he's won more tournaments. I don't know about Nicholas if he's beat Nicholas in the tournaments, but I believe he has beat Palmer. Um, but I just think Palmer was such a uh, figure in the golf world that that's part of it too, and that's why I rank him above Tiger. Even though Tiger is a great figure, I just think that Palmer just had such an influence on the golf world. Now, what's really crazy about this too is you can make an argument from. When did he win his first Masters? 1997, I think, I believe, when he hugged his father. Till 2008 when he won his last. Uh, I think at the PGA. Uh, that was probably the most dominant run. Like, like the most dominant stretch of any golfer, right? Oh, 100%, yeah. And then he goes to, really, a decade without winning. And he can, and you're still, he can still play five or six more years. Like, this is even decided. So, like, let's say all this stuff didn't happen in an alternate world. And we're looking at Tiger. How many majors does Tiger have now? I don't know, actually. Would he be blowing everybody out the water? How, how, how much higher would he be than ever, the next guy? I mean, the next guy in the field right now, I know Mickelson's got a couple green jackets there, but as far as anyone else, he's better than anyone else in the golf field right now, by far. But as far as majors go, I'm not really sure how many he has. Now, Connell, who's your favorite golfer? It's my favorite. I think i got to go with Rory McIlroy. You kind of look like him, Connell. I kind of look like him. You don't talk like him. I now. met him once. You did? Yeah. What was that interaction like? So I went to his home course in uh, Hollywood, Ireland, and uh, he's got a trophy room in there. And the pro came upstairs and he goes, you know, hey guys, like, you're going to have to leave the area. And I was like, why? You know, like, we're looking for trophies. You know, we're from America. Like, we just kind of want to see it. We drove, you know, two hours to get down here. And he's like, Rory's coming up. So Rory's pretty short in real life, i got to be honest with you. Uh, he's actually shorter than me. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's strong. He's he's stocky and strong. But like Ken, yeah, he's like Ken. Okay. Yeah, he's he's pretty short though. Uh, he's pretty flexible. Um, but yeah. What would you? Which golfer would you say you remind yourself of? Like when you look at him, you're like, you know, he has a little bit of the Conal Cravick skills, Conal Cravick skills. You know, I think Justin Rose. Okay, Conal. I was gonna I thought you were gonna say Jordan Spieth. No, not Jordan Spieth. I think Justin Rose. Not Day. Nope, not Day. Not Australian. <laughs> now, Connell, what was your reaction? Because I want to know this, because I know you're watching the Masters, especially on Sunday. What was your reaction when you see Tiger put on that green jacket? What were your emotions? I was, you know, I was very happy for him. I especially liked the whole uh, flashback that they had with him hugging his father and then him hugging his son. I think it really just shows that, you know, two different, completely different generations. And Tiger's dominant in one generation, he can be dominant in the next. And just really a big testament to how good he really is. Now, and I was looking this up, too, because I, I always think these are really important when, when these big moments happen in sports, right? Uh, well, like I said, his last major one, guess guess when that was? Uh, I'm not sure. Give, give me a guess, Kyle. Guess. I'd say 11 years ago. 11 years ago. I'm going to give you the exact date. June 16th, 2008 at the PGA. Now, and what's really interesting about this, you know, I think these are flashpoint moments, like I said. Uh, what were you doing, Connell? June 16th, 2008. What was Connell Craback doing? Connell Craback was uh, in elementary school. Okay. In Buffalo, New York. Okay. And playing at the first tee. Okay. Well, on that exact day? Couldn't tell you on that exact day. I know that's what I was doing then. June 16th. Now, you know what Daryl Lane was doing? What was Daryl Lane? Daryl Lane was at uh, Windermere Boulevard Elementary School in good old... 
Amherst, New York. Uh, I believe what grade was I in? Lord have mercy, 2008. So I was probably in the fourth grade. So Colin, you're probably in third grade. I was in third grade, yeah. Now, now we didn't know each other yet. Yeah. Maybe we did. Is it possible we could have known each other? We could have seen each other, yeah. Yeah. But no, we, we might have. We, we might have. I mean, we might have run across. I mean, you know. Yeah, Buffalo is a pretty small place. Yes, yeah, so the suburbs and the cities that kind of have that mesh going on, yeah. right? I spent a lot of time in Amherst, too. Yeah, so. yeah we, 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 Connor, we could have known each other and we didn't even know it. Exactly. We could have met each other on June 16, 2008. We could have. And, and it would have been so ironic, right? Mm-hmm. Probably didn't happen, but shoot, I don't maybe remember. Maybe we did. Well, well, I have no idea. Yeah, maybe it was. Now, Connor, we're going to play a little game with you, Connor, because you're an interesting guy and I have a bunch of interesting questions for you, Connor, right? Oh, Lord, you're worried me. Okay. Your mom's listening to this right now. What would you want your mom to know? What would you want Dr. Fitzpatrick to know right now? I just say happy birthday. It's her birthday today. Okay. May. It was her birthday yesterday, actually. Oh, it was her birthday yesterday? Because it is You probably can't say how old she is, right? I can say how old she is. It is her 50th birthday. Oh, it is? Oh, yep. I was going to say she's 23. She is 23. Yeah. I, just, I, I thought she was 23 when I saw her. I mean, Dr. Fitzpatrick. She looks very young. I thought she was your sister at first, honestly. I don't know if I should take this as a compliment, but... <laughs> what would you want your sisters to know right now? What would I want them to know? I'd want them to watch golf instead of watching uh, horseback riding or whatever they watch. Is that frustrating for you guys? Because I can imagine, Kyle, you're probably like, you know, the type of guy, you know, probably like, come on, let, let, let's go watch golf together. No, you know, I don't really actually like watching golf uh, unless it's Sunday at the Masters or I'm watching it in person. Now, what would you want? Another, and this, she's a friend of the show. She's probably coming on next show, actually, to explain how she won our March Madness bracket. Uh, stay tuned for that. Amy Morris. What would you want Amy Morris to know right now? That she should have been here talking on a mm-hmm. podcast tonight. And I want to say congratulations. She's having a uh, child? She is. She's having a child. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations to Amy. Amy is having a child. What would you want my roommate and your friend Ken to know right now? Which roommate? Ken. Ken Emsh. Okay. He, want, he looks like he looks like um, uh, Rory, right? Nah, Ken does not look like Rory. Well, we just, we just like said Jason, before. He looks like Jason Day. Oh, Jason Day? Yeah. I was going to say Bubba Watson. He doesn't look like Bubba. You don't think so? Yeah, Bubba's pretty thin. <laughs> we love you, Ken. Yeah, I, I'd say uh, that Ken should have been here, too. Maybe we can get Ken on sometime. Maybe yeah, we can we should get him on time. Okay, now, Connell, you're a fan of Whole Foods. What's your go-to thing at Whole Foods? My go-to thing at Whole Foods... I'd say the pizza, the fruit, pizza's pretty good in Whole Foods. Is pizza your favorite food? Pizza is not my favorite food. What's your favorite food? I like good steak. I'm a big steak guy. And you know what, Colin? Steak is my second favorite food. What's your first favorite uh, food? A cheeseburger. My, cheeseburger? My second From steak. From where? Huh? Five Guys. Five Guys cheeseburger? All right. Yeah, those, you know, pretty good. Like, you know. Now, now, steak, you know, see, see, here's the thing. If I'm not going fancy, if I'm going casual, it's a burger. If I'm going fine dining, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. suit and tie type of thing. Oh, we get in a steak. Oh, yeah. You know, we get in the 50 ounce. Then it costs like $200. And my mom's looking at me, Daryl, you know nobody paying for that 50 ounce steak. Because, you know, steak costs a lot of money. But the New does, York yeah. Strip. Daryl, I got to agree with you on that. I get a burger if, you know, we're not at a yeah. steakhouse. Now, Connell, you did go to Canisius High School. I did. Private school, right? Private school. What was your favorite memory at Canisius? I guess in my Kairos uh, immersion trip. Okay. It wasn't an immersion trip, my bad. Scratch, that's late, guys. My Kairos trip, it was student-led, and we all went out to a, a cabin for a couple of days, and it was just a really neat experience. It's like Manresa. And you go on a lot of trips, you know. 
You like to travel. Yeah, like it, seems, it seems like every year, I mean, every day, I mean, you're talking about Connell's going here, Connell's going here, Connell's going everywhere. Connell is trying to conquer the world. Connor, Connell, well, you know what, I, I imagine Connell, uh, you just like finding Carmen in San Diego, you're just going to place in the country, place in the country, you know, I'm going to that country, let me go to that country. Connell's all over the place. So, Connell, what's the most interesting place you've ever been? Oh, I have to go with uh, Nice, France. We, uh, we rented a like a chateau with a uh, a vineyard in the middle of a vineyard and it was my family and two are good good friends and uh it was a really fun experience there's on a there's a horse farm there and my sisters are riding every day and there's a beach pretty close by and me and my buddy would go down on the beach you know all those italian girls oh you probably Connell probably enjoyed that like i said uh women want him and men want to be him kind of great back now Connell. Bills or Sabres? Bills or Sabres? You know, I'd have to go with Sabres on that one. I'm a huge hockey guy. Huge hockey guy. Yeah. I was thinking of Ryan Miller when we had him. I, I, Ryan Miller was my neighbor, actually. I, I really enjoyed him. Oh, he was your neighbor? He was my neighbor. Connell, you've been around. Who's the most interesting? See, see, him and Paul Gostad, actually. Paul so, Gostad lived across see, the street. See, here's the thing about Connell. See, Connell's in the know. Like, every time, you know, Connell knows everybody. When I tell you Connell knows everybody, Connell knows everybody. Who's well, the, I don't know everybody. You know everybody except for Trump. You might know Trump. I don't know Trump. Oh, you know Obama. I don't know Obama. You know LeBron? I don't know LeBron. You don't? No. Would you tell me if you did? I would tell you. You would? Mm-hmm. LeBron came in here right now. What would you say to him? I'm not sure. Not sure? Call say, the goat. LeBron James. <laughs> would you do that, Kyle? I wouldn't say it. I'd play it on my phone. <laughs> You'd be like, hold on, LeBron. Hold up. Hold up, LeBron. Now, who's the most interesting person you've met? Like I said, because you met a lot of interesting people. I don't know if I have met a lot of interesting people. You give me a second to think about that. The most interesting person that I've ever met. Honestly, I'm just going to have to go with one of my uh, professors. Who? You know, or one of my teachers in high school. I guess they weren't professors at that point. But uh, there's this guy named Mr. Blank. And Mr. Blank was a weird guy. Okay. He's a smart guy, but if you ask anyone from Canisius about Billy Blank, they will know who I'm talking about. Now, Connor, what makes you happy? Uh, traveling, golf. Hey, every, hey, ladies, if you want Connor Craig Pixar, that's what you got to do, traveling, golf. You got you to go to nice restaurants, too. Yeah. And, and, you got to pay for the steak. Yes, you gotta pay no, for this. You, thing. you don't have to pay for this. Yeah, no. You know, you, the, you the guy always has to pay because yeah. it's like it's social norms. Exactly. Except here, we're trying to break social norms. <laughs> no equality for everyone. No, let equality for everyone. Right, Connell? You know, Daryl. But if I if I'm taking a girl on a date, then I'm gonna pay for her meal. She's taking me on a date, and it might be the other way around. Yeah, no, Connell. I completely, Connell. I agree with you. I, you see, I wish more people think that way. Now, Connell, what makes you sad? What makes me sad? Rainy weather makes me sad. Oh, so you must have been crying today. I was absolutely sobbing today. Shed a tear for Colin Craig, everybody. Dad, so how do you feel about snow then? Because you're from Buffalo now, you live in Cleveland. How do you feel about the snow? I love snow. I used to ski race when I was younger. You did? Yeah. Yeah, and you are a skier too, Colin. I'm a skier. Now, Colin, have you ever played squash? I have played squash. Okay. Yeah. Did you go to squash camp? I didn't go to squash camp. I played on the, our club's team for a while. Okay. Now, now, Connell, you played lacrosse 
Was it lacrosse that you said you played? Oh, yeah. I'm not very good at lacrosse. And here's the story. This is the funniest story ever. Comma. All right. So I scored six goals in eighth grade, and four of them were on our own team, and two of them were on the other team. So I guess I really only scored two goals on myself because that's how math works. It cancels out. So Connor's an offensive powerhouse. So if you're the other team, you better watch out. And if you're honest, you better watch out. You better watch out. (laughs) In my defense, though, the goalie didn't catch my pass to him. Connell Crayback, he is a man of many mysteries and many talents. I always, I love Connell. I love talking to Connell. Connell, I'm finally happy that I got to have you on the show and do a little one-on-one with you, Connell. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Oh, and one more thing, Connell. What would you want all your Instagram followers to know right now? All my Instagram followers? Uh, that I'm looking for someone to come to the British Open with me in July. <laughs> can I come, Connell? Daryl, you can come if you want. I you can? pay for the plane ticket, though. Oh, wait, how much money costs to go to Britain? Well, it's not in Britain, it's in Ireland, but uh, I don't know. you got to look up the prices. Oh, is it $100? It's not going to be $100. 200 comma? I'm not sure, Daryl. Upwards of 1000 Probably not. Oh, okay, 800 Yeah, it's probably around 7 Oh, 7 For a round-trip ticket, it's not bad. Oh, 700 round trip? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant 700 bucks. Okay. Oh, that's actually not that bad. Hey, I it's guess I better be clocking a lot of... Extra hours at Giancarlo. Okay, like I said, Connell Crayback. Always love having Connell on the show. Now, kind of next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to explain to you why this whole story about Tiger Woods might not be the classic sports story that you think of. Coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, once again, I want to thank Connell Crayback for coming on the show. I keep saying Connell Crayback sometimes, but it's really Connell Crayback. I believe it's Irish. I want to thank Connell for coming on again. I appreciate Connell's golf expertise. Connell's a very interesting guy. See, me, me and Connell have had a lot of off-the-record conversations. Connell is a, a good golf historian, really nice guy, really smart guy, a really interesting guy. Uh, learned a lot of stuff from being around Connell. I've learned a lot of stuff that I never thought I would learn. So I appreciate Connell coming on the show. Hope to have him on again. So, you know, here's the thing. I hate to want to be to rain on everybody's parade here. All the talk in the sports world and outside of the sports world. Boys, girls, white, black, uh, across genders, across racial lines, across everything. Everybody's talking about what a spectacular story this is. What a spectacular life story this is. What a spectacular sports story this is. Tiger Woods winning Another major, you know, coming back, beating the odds. And I'm like, hold up. Like, you know, let's calm down, right? Let's not go with the fluff and, you know, this nice, cute little feature story. Like, oh, this person, he's saving the dolphins. Let's not do that. And let's realize a couple things. Uh, All the issues that Tiger Woods has had in his life, the big issues were self-inflicted. This wasn't the man who got pushed down the well and had to dig himself back out. Or the man who started in the well and had to dig himself back out. This is the guy who was walking around casually, was arrogant, and then just decided to jump in the well 
and then eventually dug himself out, climbed himself out, you know, climbed up. That's what this story is. This isn't like, oh my God, how did he beat the odds when he created the odds against him? Right? Because nobody made Tiger Woods, uh, you know, get a little uh, women, sex crazy, I guess that's the best way to say, get, get sex crazy. Nobody made Tiger Woods do that. That was Tiger Woods. Also, I believe a lot of people in the golf world didn't like Tiger Woods because he was arrogant. He thought a lot about himself. There were allegations too. The reason why his bodies were breaking, his body was breaking down. Steroid use. I don't know if that is true or not, but those were allegations. You know, the drug issues. There were drug issues going on too, as well. Like I said, uh, that disturbing, uh, you know, mugshot in Florida where he did not know where he was. So this isn't like the Tom Brady story, right? Nobody bets against him. Nobody thinks this guy's any good. Ends up becoming the best ever. Tiger was already the best ever. And then he dropped a level, multiple levels, multiple stories because he got too full of himself and let himself go. And then he got back. So to me, it's not the classic hero story, the classic David versus Goliath that we all like. I think we're all making it that because I think we're happy that Tiger is back because when Tiger's back, that means golf is back. That means rating in golf increases. That means money going to golf increases. That means more networks are going to want to bid to have golf on their network. More discussion about golf is created. It's better for everybody in the golf world when Tiger is winning, especially since he wasn't winning. Now new fans get a taste of, wow, this is a different type of Tiger Woods, but he's still pretty good, right? Tiger Woods also brings in a more urban demographic, a more urban audience, because typically very good golfers, you know, don't look like Tiger Woods. I think that's why everybody's so excited and We've never necessarily seen this before either. We've never seen somebody go from the top all the way to the bottom and then get back all the way to the top again, right? We've never necessarily seen this. So I think all that, the Tiger Factor, is what makes us like, make this, oh my God, what, 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 what heroics. A man that was all the way at the bottom, now he's up. He won his first Masters in 1997, hugged his father, his late father, and now he's hugging his kids in 2019. Everything comes full circle. Like, you know, yeah, but... He's the, he, self, he, put, he put this on himself. And to be honest, if Tiger kept it on the straight and narrow, none of this stuff ever happened, Tiger would probably be blowing Jack Nicklaus out in terms of uh, Masters, PGAs, uh, championships, uh, major championships. He'd probably be blowing him out the water, but he's not. You know what a real underdog story is? And his birthday was on Sunday. Person Cleveland Browns fans know very well. Baker Mayfield. Let me give you some things about Baker Mayfield, right? Number 43 ranked high school quarterback. He was offered uh, college scholarships by FAU, New Mexico, and Rice. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I just learned there's an FAU in New Mexico and a Rice just now. And they have football programs, and I think they're D1. Walks on at Texas Tech, a less than stellar Power 5 Division I program, right? Then, takes a starting job at Texas Tech, right? Lose it to Patrick Mahomes. Then he asked the Tramps, excuse me, he didn't lose to Patrick Mahomes. I believe he lost it to David Webb, not Patrick Mahomes. So then he leaves Texas Tech, right? Then where does he go? Hey, let me go to one of the top five college football programs in the nation, right? There's Alabama, there's Ohio State, there's USC, Texas, and there's Oklahoma. Like, that's probably the top five. Goes to Oklahoma, walks on, takes a starting job, wins the Heisman. He's six foot, 
215, right? People have been telling him his whole life, you can't be this, you can't be that. You're not the prototypical big strapping strong prototypical quarterback passer like a Sam Darnold or a Josh Rosen or a Josh Allen. You're just this little old six-foot guy that we don't even know if you can be good. He's drafted number one by the Cleveland Browns, a moribund franchise for years. And what does he do when he gets his chance to play? Changes the culture, changes the temperature in the room, changes the feeling about Cleveland and a city that has had a lot of sports struggles, right, Cleveland? I know they won their championship in 2016 with LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, right, when they came back down 3-1 against the Golden State Warriors. But besides that, Cleveland's had nothing good in sports. Nothing. Nothing. And Baker Mayfield has brought that excitement. And now he's a rising NFL star. We start from a guy that was probably, probably, most people in Baker Mayfield's situation, they end up playing Division III football at a Division Three football at a place like John Carroll. But no, Baker says no. Even though he's offered FAU, New Mexico Rice, lower tier Division I schools. He says, no, I'm gonna go to walk on at Texas Tech. Lose his job at Texas Tech. He says, you know, bleep that. I'm going to Oklahoma. I'll do it even better. I'll take the starting job at Oklahoma. I'll become the starting quarterback there. And what do you know? I'm gonna be the best quarterback in college football and win the freaking Heisman. People keep saying, I'm just a college quarterback. I'm in the Big 12. It's made for quarterbacks to succeed. It's made for offensive stats. There's not a lot of defense. It's just a spread offense. Well, guess what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to get drafted, number one, despite being six feet inches tall and not fit the prototypical measurements for what a starting franchise quarterback is supposed to look like and be like in the NFL. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go to Cleveland, a place that's never had success, a place that's been laughed at. And I'm going to make them a thing. And I'm going to make them a Super Bowl contender. The Cleveland Browns, look at the Vegas odds. Super Bowl contender. They have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Baker Mayfield has changed the culture there. And we're talking about a dude that Alabama didn't want. Nick Saban was recruiting uh, Baker Mayfield. FAU wanted Baker, right? That's a come-up story. Not Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods started from the top and and he cut himself short because of arrogance and a lot of other issues he had. Baker Mayfield's a guy that started from the bottom and climbed himself out that well himself. With people pushing him down every step of the way, rooting against him every step of the way. Because the way he talks, you know, kind of his arrogance, his confidence, the fact that he's too small, the fact that, you know, you can't throw it as far as this other quarterback. You're not as big and strong as that other quarterback. Everybody's wanted Tiger to succeed since he's been a little kid. He's been bred to be a golfer. That's what his father trained him to be, to be a golfer. Tiger's the prodigy. Tiger's LeBron James, except that LeBron James is more of a sympathetic you know, sports story because LeBron James came from nothing. Tiger, Tiger Woods was at freaking Stanford. Tiger Woods had all the affluence, all the money, all the ability to get the, the training he needed to be successful, and he was already the most physically gifted guy. That's not an underdog story. It's not. It's not. Now, what I want to talk about really quickly, though, is, uh, and then coming up actually after the break, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about, you know, why is Tiger Woods so interesting? Because there's a lot of things, you know, to dive into that specific subject because he's such an interesting character in the sports world that, you know, kind of does make him relatable in some other ways. So I'm going to delve into that just a little bit. I'm just going to talk about why he's able to, you know, be such an interesting factor. Why is he exactly, you know, kind of like that needle mover that I talked about? But before that, so I have this theory, right? And it's an NBA theory. Uh, and something I'm also going to start starting to start doing on both the radio show, on uh, WCTFM Radio Network, 
on late night in the middle.com and uh, the podcast and on WJCU is I want to give a theory out to you guys, you know, you know, a little bit of conversation, something to think about. And here's my theory. Might not be the craziest theory that I'm going to have, but it's a theory nonetheless. So David Griffin, a former Cleveland Cavaliers general manager, has just been hired by the New Orleans Pelicans. And why I think this is interesting, and here's my conspiracy theory. David Griffin is going to do the Lakers a solid and trade Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, why would David Griffin do that? He likes LeBron. I don't think he liked Dan Gilbert. I think Dan Gilbert's the reason why he left. Well, he got fired because Dan Gilbert wanted to retake power of the Cleveland Cavaliers organization, kind of taking that power away from LeBron because David Griffin was a LeBron guy and Dan Gilbert wanted to bring in uh, Colby Altman, a uh, Dan Gilbert guy, kind of sitting a superiority message like, hey, had called up LeBron. You might be the best player in the world. Everybody in Cleveland might love you. Everybody in the state of Ohio might love you. But God damn it, I'm the one that signed your freaking check and, I, and I'm running things. I think that was, you know, the message there. So I think David Griffin and LeBron have a good relationship. And, you know, people, especially like NBA analysts for FS1, Chris Broussard have said things like, LeBron calls up David Griffin's like, I need you, man. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. David Griffin would say yes. That talks, that speaks about the relationship, you know, how they relate to each other, how they still talk and how they still communicate, right? You wouldn't do that for somebody you don't like. Now, we've seen this in other instances, right? Uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Jerry West, who I believe was at Memphis at the time, gift wraps Pal Gasol to Mitch Kupchak, who uh, I believe studied under the tutelage of uh, Jerry West. He was his protege. So gifts wrap, gifts wraps Pal Gasol, who's at Memphis, to the Los Angeles Lakers for Kwame Brown and Smush Park or whatever the hell they put in there, those couple other picks. That ended up being Marcus Gasol, but still. Lakers go on to win two straight NBA championships, go to three straight finals. We saw this in Boston. Kevin McHale gift-wrapped Kevin Garnett all the way to Danny Age because they used to play together in the 80s with the Boston Celtics with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and all of them, right? Would it be out of the realm of possibility for David Griffin to do the same thing for LeBron James, the Los Angeles Lakers? Because you have to think about this through David Griffin's perspective. The Pelicans are not winning anytime soon. It's a rebuilding effort. And who has the best array of talent to send Anthony Davis to? That makes sense. The Lakers, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Multiple picks. It can work. We don't know what Boston is now. We don't know what Tatum is. We don't know what Brown is. Right now, they're just as good as the Lakers young players. They just are. So you get a lot of young players back, you get rid of Anthony Davis, and you get to rebuild with picks, young players, and you get to sell hope and future to the fans. Because the reason why I do believe uh, Pelicans GM Del Demps did not want to trade Davis to the Lakers is because it was kind of like an arrogance factor from the Lakers. We're not going to help the Lakers out. Screw the Lakers. Screw LeBron. Screw Rich Paul. I think what David Griffin's going to do, because he's probably had a lot of interactions with both LeBron and Chris Paul, and, and Rich, excuse me, Rich Paul, LeBron James' uh, agent, He's going to be like, okay, I'm going to do you guys a solid because it can help us both out. I'm not going to be petty. So that is my conspiracy theory. David Griffin will trade Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, coming up next, and it's the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to tell you why you love Tiger Woods so much and why he's so interesting. Coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, no. 
Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. Uh, about 10 minutes, we're going to be entering the second hour on the WCETFM radio network on late night in the Midlands.com. Before we get there, so what makes Tiger Woods, what makes the story of Tiger Woods so interesting to you? What makes, what captivates us so much as an audience that we tune in on a Sunday? To watch and play golf, right? What is it? There's a couple things. Number one, he's different. There's not a lot of African Americans that play golf. Tiger is one of them. And he's really good at it. So he's different, right? Kind of like a unicorn, so to speak. We haven't seen it before in that avenue, in that arena, in that sport. Number two, he did it differently. He wasn't necessarily the most proper guy, like, you know, in terms of, like, golf etiquette. Before, he used to swear, he used to curse when he was uh, on the field, on the grass, right? When he was golfing. Kind of had an arrogance about him. People weren't used to it. People hadn't seen it before. So that made him different. Three, he had his personal life put out there in ways that most of us will never know. Uh, usually when somebody's cheating and has multiple mistresses, right, male or female, uh, that stuff is kept pretty on the down low, not on national news out- outlets like ESPN, but not only that, national news outlets like CNN. I believe it was on Good Morning America. It was the topic of uh, America, the topic of the world. Like every major media outlet was covering this, getting in the man's business. And, you know, to tell you the truth, you know, this might not be popular to say, but Yes, he did cheat on his wife, but he didn't kill anybody. He didn't really hurt anybody. I mean, you could make it, he did hurt anybody, but he didn't do anything necessarily illegal. He did things that were morally wrong, morally wrong, and that kind of made him a cheating liar. But that doesn't make him a criminal. Yet, he got the reaction that he was a criminal. That's why we're now interested. Because we know about the downfall. The downfall was so public. The cheating was so public. Then he struggles. Can't seem to get it together. One thing after another after another happens. So it looks like he's doing drugs. And uh, like I said, he's inebriated in Florida. Doesn't know where he is. That's why Tiger Woods is so interesting. Tiger Woods is interesting because he's different. Why was Muhammad Ali interesting? Because he was different. Nobody promoted and talked like Muhammad Ali did. That's what made Muhammad Ali different not only that Muhammad Ali took a social stand that's part of the reason why we remember him it's part of Muhammad Ali's story it's part of the reason why we talk about Muhammad Ali now to this day as great of a boxer as Muhammad Ali was you mentioned the name Muhammad Ali there's going to be a couple things you think of you're probably going to think of boxing then after that you're going to say hey didn't he go to jail because he refused to fight in the war in Nam that's what you're going to say Tiger Woods you're going to say great golfer but didn't he cheat his wife? Oh, no, yeah, 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 with a bunch of mistresses. And then, oh, yeah, remember, he had that great comeback that was so surreal and so cool. What made Michael Jordan interesting, right? I want to be like Mike, the commercials, the high-flying dunks, the athleticism, the spectacular plays. Tiger Woods is intrinsic in our sports moments, and in our sports memories. Like I said, Tiger Woods moves the needle. There's not a lot of Tiger Woods out there. 
there probably never will be another Tiger Woods in golf. We've been waiting for another Tiger Woods, another Tiger Woods, right? Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, on and on and on. Jordan Spieth, and we still can't fill that void. Golf still can't fill that void. The happiest people on Sunday when Tiger Woods got to pin on that green jacket wasn't you, wasn't me. It might not even have been Tiger Woods himself. It was golf. Because for all the reasons I stated, golf needs Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is the, is the needle that pushes golf forward, not backwards. Now, the interesting question now is when it comes to Tiger, can he pass Jack Nicklaus for the most majors ever? Jack is at 18, Tiger Woods is now at 15, so Tiger Woods needs three more to tie, four more to go ahead. Tiger Woods, I believe, is 43 years old. Now, I believe Jack, and I think Jack won, no, actually, no, not Jack, I think Jack, yeah, Jack won, his last one was like 45 or whatever that was, so Tiger still has time, and I forget his name, but there was one golfer that apparently that was in the mix of the British Open, and he was like 59. So golf is a sport that you can play forever. So potentially Tiger Woods could catch Jack. Now, I think there will be a window. I think realistically, I'm going to give him five years, right? Every year there's the four major tournaments, right? Five, I'm going to give him five years, and those five years... He's going to win four more major tournaments. That's my big prediction. That's my bold prediction with Tiger Woods. And by the way, this is coming from a guy. I never thought Tiger would win again. I never thought Tiger would win again. I remember every year I was watching it and I saw him play and he just didn't look good. Uh, incident after incident. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse for Tiger Woods. And I, I never believed and I, and I remember uh, last year, I was talking to my friend Noah. If Noah's a friend of the show, been on this podcast a couple of times. Shout out to Noah Taluki. He's like, Daryl, I think Tiger's going to do it. And I said, I just don't know how you come back from that. I don't know how you come back from that. Because that's not easy. Because a lot of people can't come back from something like that. They can't come back from, you know, the cheating, the accusations. Uh, I think it's just Caddy left them. Everything piled on. There are so many things going on. There were so many reasons for Tiger Woods to say, F all of us. F you. Go home. Gonna be with my money. My mansion. My big my big house. My kids. And screw all of you. It would have been very easy for Tiger to do that. You know what Tiger did? Got out of bed the next morning. Progressively. Took another step. Took another step. Took another step. Got back out there on the golf course redefined his game, worked on his game, changed his game. He evolved. And that's something that many of the great athletes of all time have not been able to do, evolve. You want to know why Kobe struggled at the end? Kobe Bryant? He couldn't evolve. Couldn't evolve as a, as a person. Still same old Kobe being arrogant, yelling at teammates, young players like D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle when Kobe can't play no more. LeBron James, why is, why is LeBron struggling in Los Angeles? LeBron hasn't been able to evolve, still passive-aggressive, still can be a little bit distanced from younger teammates, hasn't learned to evolve. Tiger Woods, the biggest thing I can say about Tiger Woods, he has learned to evolve. He has learned to change for the better. You know what they say, right? 
if you're not evolving, if you're not changing, if you're not growing, because life is a never-growing process, then you're just getting worse if you're staying the same. Now, coming up next, second hour of Barbershop Sports Talk, going to have Scotty Johnson on the show, and maybe we'll finally have Patrick Stein on for a little trash or pass. And I'm going to explain while Tiger Woods, his story, it's not necessarily a redemption story to me. It's not. But it's still an impressive story. And maybe the most impressive story I've ever witnessed. And I'm going to explain that. Coming up next, after the break, on Barbershop Sports Talk. Nothing's gonna shake us, shake us Until the end 